The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. Hello, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where conscious people come together to explore the world of healing and heal the planet one person at a time. So, wow, are you guys like stressed out to the max these days? Like anxiety is something that we all are dealing with on so many levels, maybe more than we ever had in our life before. And I think I'm super excited to speak with our guest today. She's written this beautiful book called Mindful Somatic Awareness for Anxiety Relief, a body-based approach to moving beyond fear and worry. And it's a, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. So for all of the years that I've been an energy medicine practitioner um, and a healer, I've known that fear and anxiety lives in our body and that we have to work through the body. We have to work on it through the lens of the body to really um, unplug ourselves from our anxiety. So that's what what our topic is about today. And I'm so excited to bring this to you and to bring um, Dr. Michelle Bloom into the conversation. She's a licensed clinical psychologist and a somatic experience experiencing practitioner. And I have to tell you, somatic experiencing is one of my absolute favorite modalities for dealing with trauma and anxiety. So um, thank you so much. Oh, she's also a um, Reiki practitioner, also something near and dear to me, and an EMDR uh, therapy uh, coach and a coach, spiritual emergence coach. So thank you so much for being with, with, uh, with me today here, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Oh, me too. So tell us a little bit about about you, about your work, and how you sort of started focusing on finding ways for people to release anxiety. Well, as you said, I'm a clinical psychologist, and uh, in the very beginning of my work, I had an interest in the mind-body relationship. It had been a part of my own personal therapy from the very beginning. I was very fortunate to have a therapist, to work with a therapist who integrated body work when I was 13 years old, when I, when I started this journey. And so it was always present. I just didn't quite understand it, of course, the way that I I do now. Um, And I would say probably about 10 years ago when I was experiencing my own anxiety in a very different way than I had ever experienced. It was more like panic, which I had always had a level of anxiety, but I'd never experienced panic before. So this was new. And I was working with a therapist at the time. Again, the universe works in these wonderful ways where they bring you into connection with just the right person. And he identified and knew exactly what was happening 
to me where it was coming from and how to help me work through it. And he introduced me to somatic experiencing and he encouraged me strongly as both an individual and a practitioner to uh, enter the training program. And so I did, I had this wonderful experience of, of learning the the science and the, the methodology of somatic experiencing while at the same time using it in my own personal work. So I had an experiential component to the learning process that really brought it together very nicely for me. So I could really understand it um, both intellectually in an embodied way. And so that just sort of led over time, you know, as I integrated it into my work with my clients, which just brought it to a whole new level because finally my clients understood why uh, on using science to explain it, why this was happening, not just these abstract theories. And it made sense to them intuitively. Like, oh, there's a reason why I'm doing this. There's, it's not me. There's nothing wrong with me. There's, there's a glitch in the system. Um, so over time, I just integrated it more and more uh, in my work with my clients. And it just sort of morphed into you could say the foundation of a book that the foundation, it morphed into something that eventually turned into a book. Mm -hmm. well, well, yeah. Um, I love it too. And I, um, so for so long, like I said, in the introduction, when I, um, I know that I, as a Reiki practitioner and, and a therapist myself, I can get to this person to a certain level of understanding of their anxiety. Like we can understand the anxiety sort of cognitively. Right. And then at some point we have to make the jump into the body. Like it's like those, those anxiety tracks get like laid down in our nervous system. Right. Yeah. And, and in order to get it out of our nervous system, we have to enter through the body. So can you, can you tell us even a little bit? I mean, somatic is a word I know, but for maybe there's some people out there that don't know what that means. So can you explain a little bit what a somatic-based approach, what that means? Sure. Um, somatic means body, soma. I should say soma means body. And so it really is a focus on the body or more perhaps specifically the autonomic nervous system and the regulatory processes in the autonomic nervous system and how uh, that nervous system affects our physiology and then how our physiology affects what's going on in our minds. And so when we are working somatically, we are, depending on what modality you're working with, somatic experiencing, um, it tends to focus predominantly on the body. And while it can include cognitive processes, it's more body dominant, I would say. Whereas my experience with sensory motor uh, psychotherapy, there is an integration of more cognitive processes but also starting first with the body. So somatic modalities always, they always, I would say, have a predominant focus on the processes that are happening in the body and how they're affecting our emotional regulation, our cognitive processes, our perception, our behavior. And what is it about anxiety, do you think, that gets so lodged into the body? Why, why that? I mean, I know all emotions do, but it seems like anxiety is the one that really jams up in there. What, why is that, do you think? Um, let me see. That's, it's a good question. I mean, there's a whole, there's a lot of different ways you can look at that. I, I guess for me is where my, my, my mind goes when you ask that question is that anxiety is fear and fear is a it triggers a survival response. So there's a life or death component to it. It right. truly is uh, when 
when you're experiencing fear, those um, processes in the body, the uh, defense, the defense survival responses get activated and they, they are designed to override any sort of thinking. And so, um, so I would say that they get, they get lodged because the, the whole prime intention of the body is to um, ensure your survival. So it's right. very hard to undo that. Back of the brain, it's like the brain stem, right? You know, where that survival mechanism takes place. And right. if you have time to think about it, you know, like, you know, if you're in a life or death situation, if you're walking in the woods and a bear jumps out at you and you're like, oh, that's a bear. I wonder if I should get out of the way. What you're like, <laughs> you know, it's too late at that point. So um, so that um, that it's beyond the level of our conscious thought, right? That fight or flight response that we have yeah, exactly. when we're it's designed that way. Actually, mm -hmm. we when we go into that survival response, our frontal lobe thinking our, our prefrontal cortex it goes offline so we are not we're not thinking we are acting impulsively instinctively because that is what will ensure our survival if we stop to think huh should i run this way or should i run that way as the bear is lunging towards us we're not likely going to survive the bear attack right. yeah <laughs> so we're not designed to think once the activation has taken place in in that part of our body and so how do we begin to unwind that when things have, are lodged in there? And do those things always come from childhood or it can be even current sort of traumas that happen? I mean, I always link trauma, anxiety with traumas, real or perceived traumas. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. What do you think? Let me start with that question. Is is that fair, do you, do you think, to connect it with trauma? Um, I think I lost the question a little bit. The do you think that anxiety stems from trauma, unresolved traumas? I would say generally, yes. I, I would say that um, it's important to distinguish what kind of anxiety. A certain amount of anxiety is natural and and normal, quote unquote, that we need um, we need some anxiety to keep us alert and to keep us focused. It kind of it it's a state that mobilizes energy. So it allows us to do and to take care of things like in a rush if we have to, but if you're not able to come back into a state of regulation, and if you're in a chronic state of anxiety, the most likely there's something in your history uh, that is keeping you stuck, that is keeping that uh, fear switch on and not able to come back into a regulated state. So whether that comes from childhood or uh, an experience of trauma in your adult life, that depends on the person. But I always like to look at the history of the individual and their early childhood experiences to explore, um, to explore what happened during that time in order to understand their anxiety in the present moment. And I know in your book, you have a lot of things that people can do because there's um, there's some things that we can really only do with a practitioner like yourself. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot that you have in your book that people can do on their own. So what are some of the practices people can do to help dislodge this anxiety out of their body? Well, I have uh, in, in the book, I start out with an acronym SOAR, S-O-A-R. And it's a step-by-step -step, uh, guide to help bring your body back into a state of regulation. And so 
S stands for sense. It's pausing and sensing the vibrations and the sensations in your body. Um, O stands for observing them with, without judgment, without agenda, just noticing them, tracking them. And then A stands for articulate. Uh, say, speak and describe these sensations out loud. So as you're sensing and observing, you begin to articulate what you are aware of happening on a level. And then eventually um, you can begin to reflect R. Um, reflect on the sensations, reflect on once you notice that you're activated, once you notice what's happening in your body and you start saying it out loud and you have this more global awareness of what's happening, you can reflect on what it was that activated you or what it was that um, caused you to have this physiological reaction in the series of, of thoughts as a result to see if you can identify it and then begin to use your logic to help calm the body back down and to uh, restructure what how, what sense you have made of the trigger. Hmm. And those are practices you can learn to do by yourself. Is it a, a journaling kind of practice or a meditative practice? So in the book, depending on what you want to work with, so SOAR can help you with two things. It can help you bring you back into a state of regulation immediately after you've been triggered. But if you want to take it deeper and to understand your trauma a little, your trauma, your wounding, those things that are stuck in your nervous system that are causing you to have reactions to your environment that are uh, a little bit that are a little bit bigger than what you would expect. It's sort of like you're having a really big reaction to something that wouldn't normally cause that, or you're just, excuse me, you're in a, a chronic state of anxiety where you just can't seem to settle down and come into a place of calm. There's exercises in the book that guide the practice of soaring. So right. you can learn how to ask what certain questions to help you reflect on those things that might be causing your your anxiety somewhere in your history so we i talk about boundaries in the book i talk about um uh play i talk about relationships these sorts of things that experiences in relationships and drawing boundaries in play in your past that might be affecting you right now yeah and i mean i i had also um a weird experience with anxiety I, like you i was maybe like a sort of always had a little bit of background anxiety um when I when I was growing up but I had really bad anxiety postpartum you know it was after the birth mm -hmm. of my third child mm -hmm. that it was like wow off the chart like dr ditch your shopping cart in the middle of the supermarket level panic attacks you know um and uh, and I it was it felt very physiological to me and because i was nursing i had a baby i was nursing i didn't want to take any meds you know i wanted to try mm -hmm. and find a a way to um to resolve the anxiety myself and i learned i worked with a a somatic based therapist who was also a mindfulness coach you know who, mm -hmm. who worked a lot with like basically training me to keep my mind in the present moment you know because anxiety is always like like fear yeah. is like the bear is actually here, but anxiety is like, what if there is a bear? Right. Well, what, you know, there was a bear in the past. What if there's a bear now? And that <laughs> mindfulness technique of, of like literally disciplining my mind to stay in the moment, right. you know, like 
nothing like is what's actually happening in this moment, you know, versus the story that I was running um, in my head about what could happen or what might, what might happen. Um, and it, it took like a couple of months of really hard work to kind of like get my mind disciplined to stay like what's what's actually happening rather than what do I feel about what could be right. happening, you know, and that and that's really um, ever since then, I've really never had been I've never had anxiety since I learned that right. how to do that. That's that's wonderful. And you're bringing up a really good point with anxiety when when it's activated it it comes with the felt sense that it's happening right now um you you said back then versus right now or in the future it's a then and when experience so your body thinks okay i'm in danger right now versus i was in danger once upon a time it can't make that distinction right and so what it sounds like your your therapist or the person that you worked with he did some version of what i reference in the book as um dual awareness which mm -hmm. is holding awareness of the of yourself in the present moment uh, as an observer of what's happening in the here and now so you look to your environment you 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 name what you see that keeps you anchored in this time and place. And then you also bring your attention to your body and the experience that your body is having of that then and when, it, that then and when. So your body is remembering something that happened once a time, even though I'm here in the present moment. So, right. so you're, you're here as an observer and an experiencer of the past. And when you can hold that awareness, it allows you to, downregulate that anxiety because it keeps you present and helps you to see that the past is not the present. There really isn't a reason to be afraid. You were afraid once upon a time and we can look at that when you feel ready. But at least right now, I know I'm safe. Mm -hmm. and yeah. yeah. Wow. It's, you know, it was so powerful and I'm, I'm so in a way great that it happened to me that way because I didn't end up on anti anxiety medication. Like I really learned the, like so many people, I mean, I think like anti-anxiety medication is like one of the top, like in the top five prescribed medications that people are on these days, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's, it's remarkable how quickly, um, how quickly, I don't want to say the vast majority of people, but it feels like there is, you know, this is just my unscientific observation because I actually don't know the statistics on this, but medication for anxiety and all different sorts of mood disorders, um, they're used a lot because for a host of reasons, but I, I think that there is there's an intolerance for being able to hold that anxiety, that fear in the body. It's very, very hard. It's very, very uncomfortable. And when you don't know why you're experiencing it and you don't know where it's coming from, mm. it's like the best option is to just take a medication to downregulate it, to fix it. But it actually right. doesn't make it go away. It might help with the nervous system a little bit, but the issues that are in your nervous system that are causing it, they still remain. So it doesn't actually fix the problem. It just might alleviate some of the symptoms for a little while uh but ultimately my experience with people who take meds um i should say of the clients that i have worked with they they don't want to take them long term it's really to, just to help in the short term and the symptoms that they have from taking the medication they inhibit other aspects of their life so they don't they don't feel like they're living a full embodied life it's yeah. um 
it's kind of limited by the effects of the medication. So I'm so glad that you were able to work with someone to help you through that. I, in fact, work with a client who in her, her first pregnancy, she had um, a postpartum depression. And the second one, she had a severe anxiety reaction. Right. And, and so we worked with it very similarly. I'm not an expert in the postpartum. So I know that there is certainly a lot of chemical and physiological stuff happening to the hormones and everything with the pregnancy. But there is also, as we discovered, once she was able to, to downregulate her anxiety, there was a lot of historical stuff coming up in the present moment that were, it was affecting her ability to adapt and adjust to the new circumstances of her life and the responsibilities that she felt as a mother and a wife. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you feel like people are more anxious now? Like we're here, we are in the middle of a pandemic. And <laughs> it, made, it made me wonder if there's going to be like a new classification of anxiety in the next, like, you know, DSM version. Like, is there going to be like COVID related anxiety or pandemic? What do you think? I, you know, I don't know. Interestingly enough, I've remained somewhat unplugged from that literature because I have my interests and sites and something else right now. But through my own observations, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me, but it would be somewhat situational, which is kind of already in the DSM as a, um, it's a, like an adjustment anxiety, adjustment disorder with symptoms of anxiety. That would be my guess. But even knowing Big Pharma, they'll probably come up with something <laughs> to put a medication on it and and to try and sell it. But yes, I would say there's a definite heightening of anxiety that I see uh, all around me, and even in in my clients mm. as a result of these changing circumstances and, and the pandemic and the virus itself. Yeah, I mean, I think that fear of the virus, like I've seen, you know, sort of like actual fear, which is something to be afraid of for sure and and also like all the things that come with it like lockdowns and isolation and stress and job loss and money and you know being thrown with your family together for a long time and um and i'm um i'm so glad that you wrote your book because i feel like that might be really helpful for people who are sort of stuck in all the weird situations we are that that your book um mindful somatic awareness for anxiety relief is the name of your book again and we have it up on the screen there for people to get it um it might might be a super powerful tool for everyone who's really extra jacked up with anxiety right now in this time that we're living in that's my hope my hope at the very least is that it gives people an understanding of what's happening in their body when they're feeling this chronic anxiety and to distinguish um, very real fear that's ha- that's a an organic reaction to what's happening right now. Um, because as you said, there's a virus, there's a lot of uh, the effect that this is having on people economically, um, in terms of their actual health, loved ones, the withdrawal of the, the support that we need as human beings. We're were designed to co-regulate, to be with each other, to help um, regulate fear. And now here we are in isolation and having to socially distance. So all these ways that we're designed to to, uh, regulate ourselves, they're they're missing. So that would cause a natural dysregulation. And at the very same time, that, that is being informed by our past. So I'm hoping that my book would be able to help those 
distinguish the difference between a natural reaction to what's happening in the moment and then what part of their reaction is being influenced by the past? What is anxiety that doesn't have to do with what's happening right now? Um, mm. So helpful. So Michelle, how do people um, get your book? Can we see a copy of it um, up on the screen here? How, what, I'm sure it's available on Amazon or on, on bookstores. Like where, where can people get it? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, they can go to my website where I have a link uh, to both Amazon, Barnes and Noble, New Harbinger, uh, the publisher who has um, so wonderfully allowed me to write this book. Uh, so those are the three places that that you can click on and get a copy. Good. And um, and how can people reach you? Let's see a copy of your of your website here, too. Let's see if we can get that up there. Um, so people know how to reach you and are, are you working with people now or do you have, how are you working with people now? I am want to work working predominantly remotely through, through zoom. I see a handful, two or three, two, sometimes three, uh, people in person in a very socially distanced kind of way. It's kind of odd <laughs> the, the, the way that the therapy transpires in, in person now is still very different because of this weird protocol we do to uh, minimize exposure in the event that either of us are carrying the virus. But I had a couple of people who were just struggling with the, the video platform and they needed the human interaction to be able to, to contain and regulate their anxiety, um, which I was willing to do. They're very low risk. Uh, oh, well, that's beautiful. Um, that's beautiful, and I hope everyone runs right out and gets your book. Well, to Thank help you. you know deal with the stresses, um, the I think the abnormal stresses that we're all under right now. Um, it feels like your book came out at the perfect time to it's help people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for being on the show with with me today, Michelle. It's been so lovely talking to you, and I'm I'm super grateful that you wrote your book. I know it's going to help a ton of people. Oh, well, thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's been fun. Oh, thank you. And thank all of you guys for being with me here today. Um, you can visit me on my website, lisacampion.com. Come over and say hi. I'd love to hear from you. And I'm so glad for, for you to be here with me and Michelle as we talk about this. So thanks for joining in on this beautiful conversation on the miracle of healing right here on Empower Radio. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Have a wonderful Thanks. holiday. Thanks, you too, honey. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.